0: Everyone and thanks for tuning in to the Path Eleven podcast. In our podcast today, we are interviewing Dr. Mary Wingo, who was born in the United States, where she earned a PhD in human stress research from the University of North Texas. In 2014, she immigrated to Ecuador, a tiny country in South America. Living in a new and very different society opened her eyes to the unsustainable social, economic, and political costs preventable stress causes in the modern world. Dr. Wingo's aim is to clearly explain to the public the biological mechanisms behind the stress response as well as its staggering costs to societies. We would like to introduce you to her life's work and the book that she has published called The Impact of the Human Stress Response, The Biological Origins and Solutions to Human Stress, which is what we will be discussing in our podcast today. To be talking about human stress today, and although this is a topic that's a little um, different from some of the topics that we normally cover, we really feel that our podcast is about just trying to help everybody be the best person that they can be, explore themselves to the fullest. And we know that a lot of you out there listening do enjoy meditation techniques and have been interested in some of the Hemisync music and binaural beats to really help the stress response. So we were thinking that Mary would be a great guests to have on so we can just try to figure out what is going on and how come Americans or everyone all around the world is feeling so stressed lately. So welcome Mary.
1: Thank you. Thank you April for the wonderful introduction.
0: Yeah so why don't you give us a little bit of background on, you know, your research, what led you to want to, you know, get a PhD in this and study the stress response of human beings.
1: Well, you know, it it th- this goes back a really long time. It's <laughs> like this goes back around 20 years. Um when when I first when I first got into that was like a young undergraduate and uh, when I first got into this um I I realized that sort of this interesting little corner of biology physiology is uh is stress research and it was sort of you know, it was just coming into its own. You know, the uh, correlations between high cortisol and you know a lot of stress-related diseases was coming out, and and I, you know, I thought it was just so fascinating because there were so many holes um, in this uh, in this field, and I mean, yes, there was a huge amount of understanding, but no one had really put the pieces together, and and this is very very important because in modernised society it, it is it is the stress of our society that is basically bankrupting us, especially uh, you know in the uh, healthcare realm. It's it's really really affecting a lot of families, especially now, especially with the uh, political and economic uncertainty everybody is facing. But it did. It took many many years, and because and I then I started understanding why um, that this field is more complicated than quantum mechanics. And so you've got many different types of investigators, from biologists to psychologists to sociologists to economists, um, looking at the the phenomenon of human stress, especially in the modernized world, and um, – there's no, there was no lingo that connected any of them. So it was very, very fractured. So um, as a result of the enlightenment uh, of the current events, um, I, I've always kept up with this. Um, I haven't been in science for actually 10 years, but I've kept up with this very closely. And I realized nobody else was going to write this book. Um, and the general public really, really, really needs to have this information. So uh, finally, I was compelled to do it. It took a long time and it did take a pound of flesh out of me, but uh, it, um, it it I, I think that is something that many many people um, can find a lot of actionable um, hacks um, with.
0: Yeah, and the book that Mary's talking about is um, the book that she wrote. It's called The Impact of the Human Stress Response. So, can you kind of take our listeners through what this self help book is about? Um, I know, you know, it seems like it's usually stress that brings people to some sort of self help um, to a meditation class, to an exercise class, or, you know, they're hearing something from their doctor saying, okay, you got to do something to bring the stress levels down. So, how does this book help people in that way?
1: Well, it's not. A self-help book per se, okay? First off, it's a science. It's a science book. It's a pop science book. It's got to like, sort of, uh, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell, something like Mac- Malcolm Gladwell would put out. But then, but then... We do have a survey of the economical, uh, ec- the economic impact of stress, the social impact of stress, and so it, it's not just a self-help, but there is a lot of self-help contained within it, um, a lot of actionable stuff that people can use, and and basically it, it all comes down to this. Um, you know, if you're wanting something actionable just right off the bat, understand that stress is additive in that. um, And and you have to understand what stress actually is too. Um, There's five major causes of stress um, in modern society. And if we really, really understand these categories, uh, we can identify um, what stressors, we may not even realize that we're under these stressors. But once we understand what they are, we can take steps to um, number one identify them and number two eliminate them from our lives. And the reason, the reason why we would want to do this, is that the costs of stress um, in our society are becoming so expensive that. Like I said before, um, it's bankrupting millions of families um, um, through you know loss of breadwinner, um, through, like, say, a b- breadwinner becoming disabled, early death, um, contending with very expensive, uh, preventable stress-related diseases, and just the economic uh, um, fallout for that. And, and this is a significant a very, very significant um, uh, issue that we have to look at.
0: Yeah, and would you mind taking us through what those five
1: major causes are? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and these these are really important, and I go into much greater detail in my book with these. Um, number one, I call complexity. And what do I mean by complexity? I'm talking about the loss of working memory. And wh- what do I mean by that? Well, part of our brain, the brain behind our um behind our forehead is called the frontal lobes. And there's um a number of very important parts to, you know, functional parts to the frontal lobes, but but it's very important to keep in mind April that the frontal lobes are our primary stress response organ. Um it's not the adrenal glands. It's not, um, you know, the the effect of the uh, fight or flight response. It is our frontal lobes because our frontal lobes allows us to um, solve problems and to adapt as humans. Our frontal lobes are what made us human and allowed us to put together extremely sophisticated schemes for adapting um, to life um, on, you know, as we know it. But. The the caveat here is that when we maintain very high cortisol levels um, over a period of time, you know, a little bit of stress kind of snaps us into shape. You know, we're we're meant to have this, and you know, it up to a certain point, it helps actually enhance our problem solving and um, emotional regulatory um, abilities. But as it stays high and It keeps high and it stays high, then it activates another set of receptors in the frontal lobe and it just kind of shuts everything down. So we have to understand as humans, this is one of our most precious assets, the ability to have concentration, the ability to think clearly, to maintain our cool, especially in stressful situations, and when we and and how does this get stressed out? Just the massive cognitive overload that we take pride in as being um, successful. Um, human beings uh in the modernized world. Um we're over scheduled, we multitask, we've got just too much going on at one time. Um over you know, just too many tasks, way too many tasks that we have to keep up with. And we have to and, and I know that that we tend to sort of underrate the important of importance of this, but this is extremely important to Get our hands around this, get our heads around this, so that we can um, lessen um, the effects of um, cognitive uh, stress on on our frontal lobes. Okay, extremely important, very, very important. Um, Number two, number two is a loss of social equality, social inequality, and um, again, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, can relate. to this, especially uh, in uh, this time of uh, economic and political turbulence. Um, Societies that are very unequal um, force the members that are at the bottom um, of the uh, heap um, to have to adapt at a greater um, frequency and intensity than those usually at the top, okay? So, So, you know, those at the top in many cases, can usually buy or finagle their way out of a lot of stressors in life. You have minions to do a lot of your grunt work. But when you're at the very bottom, okay, you must uh, take on a more adaptive stance to the environment. And for reasons we can discuss later, the, the, the see the science behind this, this is where it gets geeky. The science behind this is very fascinating. But in essence, you, you are forced to become more plastic, to the environment, and being in this um, biological um, state um, is uh, can make you very, very vulnerable to st- the stress-related diseases that we all know. Okay, and then number three, uh, or any questions so far? There's a there's a kind of a mouthful there. Do you, do you have any questions? I do have a couple, but I'm going to hold on to them and just let you go through all all five, and then I will I'll hit you up with some. Okay, super groovy. Then I will continue. Number three is, is a little bit related to number two, and that's loss of social capital. And um, we, again, in the uh, especially in the U.S., greatly underestimate um, how much um, social support, social networks and the benefits and the economy that isn't uh, financially based that comes from that. Um, I live here in Ecuador, and and this was a real eye-opener for me. I didn't realize how much we had lost. And sure enough, um, since the Industrial Revolution, our participation in groups of any sort, I mean, whether they're religious, political, social, have declined precipitously. And again, much like... Um, The problems of being the guy on the low end and on the totem pole, when you do not have a good social support culture or network, um, you have to adapt the stance of being more adaptive and plastic to the environment. And with this. Um, comes the higher risk for stress-related diseases. Again, the science is just mind-blowing behind this, but if we have time, we'll we'll go over this later. Now, number four is a little bit different, Um, and this is something that I know a lot of people have heard of, but maybe they're not connecting um, to um, the loss of human biome okay so these are the critters that live in your gut on your skin in your orifices all over your body and they have basically evolved with you these are microorganisms of of various sorts that have evolved over uh, many hundreds of thousands if not a million plus years um, in order to um, to provide functional extensions of your biological systems. I see a lot of people don't think of that. Um, Like for instance, um, you know, in your gut, uh, 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 you know, there are um, certain um, strains of uh, bacteria that help us produce certain vitamins. Um, There are others that help us with signaling of the immune system of the various hormones of the endocrine system. And I mean, these cells are not us. These are actual microorganisms, okay? So, but they work with us and they function as extensions of our organs and biological systems. So, when we lose this or or when they become, the populations become deranged, this puts a tremendous physical and chemical stressor on our systems. And hence, we have to deal with uh, the explosion of stress-related diseases, especially autoimmune diseases with this one. And number four, this sort of goes, or number five, this sort of goes with number four a little bit, is chemical stressors in general. Now, um, when you uh, lose your... your, your biome that is a very potent chemical stressor but but what other types of stressors do we have We have the, the, the type of chemicals that we use in the modern world that that maybe our great-grandparents um, did not have you know from a hundred years ago the various cleaners um, hygiene products pharmaceuticals just stuff that we use in our work and around a house that these chemicals may not have even existed. 50, 70 years ago. So um, here we are, we're left um, with exposure to these type of chemicals, and um, we have to find a way to metabolize them. Well, we haven't developed the mechanisms because they've only been around 50 years, right? 60, 70 years. And, you know, we we need many, many thousands of years to be able to develop the machinery um, to break these chemicals down in a safe manner, especially um, um, from our um, uh, stance of our liver, uh, uh, helping us break these down. And we just don't have it. So guess what happens? We get exposed to these and then we have a chemical stress response. Okay. And then finally... The the second part of the chemical stress response is the involuntary. This is the pollution that we know. This is the uh, um, contamination of water, soil, and and air. And uh, a uh, a researcher out of Cornell um, published a paper several years ago, uh, where he did a huge meta analysis. And from his estimate estimates, um, we about forty percent of all deaths. Are attributed to some sort of pollution of the air, soil, or water. So, um, and this is again a very potent chemical stressor. So, we have to understand stress just isn't always about mindfulness, meditation, um, and and you know maintaining equanimity. Um, although that is a a big part of it. Um, we're looking at the big picture here, um, stressors that affect us through the whole range of of our society, uh, in modernized society. Again, when you come to a place like Ecuador, it's a bit different, and that is where I was able to wrap up everything to be able to complete this book.
0: Wow, yeah. I mean, in going over those uh, five major causes, it really – makes you stop to take a look at some of the ones that I think probably most of us aren't even taking into consideration. That's like, With right. the human biome. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, a couple of questions that I had, and this might lead us maybe into the biology of the stress, because I am really interested in that. It was um, on one of the first uh, cause that you were talking about, the loss of working memory, and um, you were talking about multitasking and also cortisol. Um, so I was just wanted to back up for a second, and maybe can you just define for people who are familiar with uh, what cortisol is and how that gets released in the body, if you could just kind of educate people on that first before I kind of go into asking about the multitasking.
1: Uh, absolutely. I'm going to take this again from a s- little bit different stance that um, uh, than a lot of people might be used to. Cortisol is a major hormone um, that is involved in the overall biology of the you know, um, stress mechanisms. And again, I'm not going to We could get really deep, and we could go over everybody's head, but you know, people don't want to hear that. I'm going to keep this as simple as possible. Basically, if what it really comes down to, okay, is when you're in the mode of adapting, okay, your morphology, or okay, I'm sorry, your your biology becomes physically more jelly-like and more plastic. Okay, when you're and and it does this in order to sort of reconfigure how this particular body part needs to function in a new environment. so for instance, if you're you know so cortisol is a major facilitator of this Cortisol basically facilitates, the uh the plastification the temporary hopefully temporary plastification of various tissues that are under stress until until those tissues can reconfigure themselves to a hopefully new and stable environment
0: great okay
1: that's very helpful
0: Um, Now, when you were talking about the loss of working memory and multitasking, I think it was um, a few months ago I was at a lecture listening to Deepak Chopra uh, do a speak about his newer book called Supergenes, and he, I can't reiterate it word for word, but I remember it kind of shocked me a little bit because he was also talking about how multitasking really is not a healthy thing to do for our brains, and we can actually damage um some of it with trying to do so much multitasking. Can you talk to anything of that
1: about that? Uh yes, yes, absolutely. And and he's right on it. And and this isn't rocket science. I mean, you know, there have been many, many um psychologists and cognitive psychologists that have uh, looked at the phenomenon of um of a stressed out working memory. But I I guess what it comes down to is this, is our frontal lobes, they're the most sensitive part of our brain, okay? And the reason why they're so sensitive is that it, it's actually the most, um, the newest. The, the as far as uh, the newest part of the brain to be evolved, okay? So as a result, there's a lot of neat tricks that we can do as people that a lot of animals can't do, most animals can't do, but the trade-off is that because this is still kind of a new glitchy, um, you know, mechanism that we have developed, that it is glitchy. It's not stable. The... Frontal lobes are—they're your primary stress organ, but they're very sensitive to the effects of stress of all different types of stress. This is why, like for instance, um, if you've ever um, known anybody who's diabetic and they're like, say their blood sugar goes really high, okay. Well, I mean, you can develop very quickly within a matter of seconds, so a mood disorder, I mean, a profound change in mood and serious psychiatric symptoms, very quickly. And that is because of the incredible amount of stress that high blood sugar puts on your overall body, okay? And it's the same with the use of, of uh, alcohol and drugs, okay? And including um, uh, psychotropic medication. A lot of these ultimately work to depress frontal lobe functioning in one way or the other. And so again, this is something that a lot of people don't realize that they just kind of take it for granted. And especially when we pride ourselves, it's considered a badge of honor to be overworked and overscheduled and over. And, and you have to understand that Stress is only meant to be experienced sporadically. It's not supposed to be that grind that you have every single day that many of us, that's part, that's considered part of of contemporary society. So um, one thing I really, really, I really want to drive home is how people really need to um provide self-care for the care and love of their frontal lobes. Because when you lose that, you start to lose everything else. I mean, you, you lose emotional regulation. You lose the ability to solve problems. So, therefore, your life becomes more stressful because you can't solve problems. Um, things just get more tangled up, more tangled up. Um, and... And so, yeah, it ultimately leads to very, very um, deleterious results. Okay. And so, yeah, that in a nutshell, and I know that this is a little bit of a different take than a lot of other um, investigators and thinkers on this subject have, but um, ultimately, um, that basically, that's what we need to know about the frontal lobes. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting.
0: And I don't think that when people are, um, you know, I, I guess I could just speak for myself that in times of stress, I'm probably not focusing on my brain and what it's doing to my brain. I'm just trying to figure out how to function on a day-to-day you know, basis to just chill out and relax a little bit. Now, could you go through even more of the biology of really like what, what is stress actually doing inside of
1: our body? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're, you're going to really like that. This. this is where it gets kind of crazy. Okay. This is, <laughs> again, w- you know, we're not really talking, um, it, you know, it, this is represents a bit of a paradigm shift from how we think of biology. And, and, and most of us have had some sort of biology, you know, whether it was just in high school, or maybe, you know, freshman biology in college. But this is a bit of a different paradigm. It represents, um, you know, about 50, 60 years or more of research that has gone into human adaptation, because that's what we're talking about. Human stress, forget, let's not even use stress. Let's just call it our human adaptation, our adaptive mechanisms, our group of adaptive mechanisms that we have as humans, okay? Well, the, the, big, the big thing that was, the big issue that was very, very difficult for um, a lot of many physiologists back in the, the old days, you know, back like 60, 70 years ago, when they were really starting to um, clarify these mechanisms, is um, the actual definition. <laughs> you know, everybody knew what it was. I mean, I, we, you know, physicians have known for centuries you know, what exertion, overexertion, you know, stress was, may may not have had the proper word because the word was not actually coined until, you know, like the the 30s or 40s, but they knew what it was. It's just, you couldn't define it. You know, how do you define it? Well, finally, after many years of going over this, I was able to patch together a definition I think that works pretty good. And stress is this. Stress is the rate of adjustment that you undergo in order to adapt to a particular environment you happen to be in at the moment. Okay? So, for instance, um, you know, I live in Ecuador. I live in the Andes. I live way high in the Andes, um, much higher than even Denver. Um, And so, one thing that a uh, a lot of expats have to adjust to is the... It's the altitude, okay? Well, this is where the stress response comes in. So, so what happens? You, you, you know, you come to, uh, you know, the high altitude. You, your adrenaline, you know, uh, is released because it indicates that something is amiss. You know, you're not at the same altitude. Uh, the oxygen's a lot thinner. Okay, where's my oxygen atoms? So you have the adrenaline that uh, alerts the whole body. You know to this and does short-term emer- emergency measures, and then you have a series of other mechanisms, including cortisol, that actually makes like for instance we're going to talk about since it's altitude that is stress on the lung and heart systems. Okay, for instance, well, it, it the cortisol as well as other mechanisms, um, uh, make these allow these tissues to become more plastic, okay? So, you know, there's a certain rigid stance that's pretty stable, you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that usually in a particular state that all of our tissues are in. But when it hits a new novel circumstance, okay, first there's an alert, and then if that if it, if like, say for instance, you know, if you're permanently in high altitude, then your body has to become more plastic so it can reconfigure itself to handle a lower uh, load of oxygen so you can function and breathe. It's all about maintaining equilibrium, it's all about adapting. And if these um, mechanisms um, fail, okay, you know, because remember, stress is additive. So so say you, you come to the Andes and okay, so you, you're not real healthy. Um you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, you've got emphysema, you've got um uh you know COPD, I mean you've got a lot of pressures already at a lower altitude on your cardiopulmonary systems. Well, you can imagine since stress is additive. Where this could be a major life or death situation, and sure enough, because a lot of folks are retired from the US, they're usually in their you know 60s or 70s, a lot of them have problems like that, and they don't adapt and they don't just adjust, and some of them just die um, you know to be more uh, morbid. but that's what happens if you cannot resolve the stress, if you cannot reconfigure your tissues in order to adapt to the environment at hand, you go straight into tissue exhaustion. And when that happens, that is when you get a disease or even just tissue death, or if it's bad enough, the person dies. So this is how basically life operates. Every single disease comes from that particular tissue that's affected. Um, being in that plastic state too long, and then losing structural integrity and then causing problems from there on it, this this is how this is how pathology is created in general, so yeah, this is um an important concept and and I think that what it does it um, it makes because i 've taught many many doctors and, and nurses i mean like thousand plus, and it was so difficult learning pathology. Physiology—it was so difficult. But then, when you can kind of frame everything into, okay, where are you at on the stress response with this particular organ system? Then you can understand um, where the risks come from. Okay, and that—that's basically how it works. You—you have a more rigid state, and then you have a more plastic state that your um, that your um, body. Various parts of your body um, uh, enters.
0: Now, what what do you propose is the solution here? Because I know in your book you also talk a lot about um, the financial. Uh, aspect of this and, you know, how much money is, is spent or lost and, you know, the dollars kind of put into it. And, you know, if there are like the healthcare companies knowing that they're kind of losing money because they're not educating people enough or trying to find solutions to get people healthier, I mean, what do you propose as the solution to try to prevent maybe some of these causes of death that are related to stress that
1: aren't necessary? Well, okay. Um, Thanks for asking that. Um, That's a really good question. Well, number one, let me address the financial. Um, uh, One of my interests is economics. And again, economics, how it is related to stress and adaptation and excessive human adaptation. Um, April – and this is just on a back of an envelope type of uh, scribble. I mean, so – I'm sure if uh, if there's an investigator who wants to do a very hardcore meta analysis, um, I'm sure that the numbers would be very much higher. But we're looking at more or less minimum ten percent of our global um, output. Like domestic output. So, like, say, if the um, global domestic output, okay, it's kind of GDP um, for the US um, is say around 70 trillion, you know, more or less. It might be a little less because we're in a um, financial crisis, but we're looking at minimum, minimum five, six, seven trillion in costs worldwide per year, minimum. Maybe more like 10 or 12. I mean, again, if you really want to start digging around and, uh, and doing some heavy, heavy meta-analysis, I, I'm sure that it, it could be even up to 12, 15%. Ooh. So you're talking, I, I mean, you're talking especially in the U.S. where we don't have a really good appreciation of how the human being is constructed. And we don't really... Um, shape our society around how human beings are made. We make the human being adapt to the um, st- structures and society. Hence forcing more stress response and uh, adaptive response, okay? And so, I'm guessing that because the U.S. is so out of control with um, the way it manages its human resources in general, I'm not talking just in the... um, a workplace, you know, or an institution, I'm talking in general, human resources in general, it could be even more for the U.S. But it eats a huge amount of GDP and it puts a huge strain on institutions. Um, I mean, honestly, seriously, if look at the military, look at, look at our defense budget. And then look at the um, at the various uh, personnel, military uh, personnel coming home uh, with PTSD. Is this an, a very expensive um, result um, that we're looking at? Yes. Could the like, say, U.S. military uh, stand to learn some real basic mental and physical hygiene aspects of stress? Oh, my God. Yes. Absolutely, it may it make you better. It'll make them better soldiers. It make you better um, a strategist when you can do that. Um, you know. And how about uh, like I said, um, just just. You know, corporations, businesses in general do not have a concept at all, except for like just the real basic stuff that we've, we knew about already, you know, the, the, you know, the, you know, taking a deep breath, let's, uh, you know, let's adopt mindfulness meditation, you know, and which are very, very important. These are very important tools. But to, to think that this, all this, you know these tools are all we need to handle you know a problem that's eating up minimum per- 10% of our gross domestic product i don't think so i don't think so this is a multidisciplinary approach and so yes absolutely um um what we need is is a basic vocabulary it took Many, many edits of this book. it took three different editors to 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 take me from talking like an obnoxious scientist that nobody can understand to speaking in a way that almost anybody with even a rudimentary command of the English language, so like say folks that speak English as a second language, immigrants for instance, um, can use and and so being able to identify the major stressors under these um, five, um, five elements of stress in modernized society helps us assess risks, you know, better and helps us um, plan more efficient responses. Um, because let me tell you, April, I, I, the reason I wrote this book is that things are getting so bad. And I, I didn't I was thinking somebody else would write it. I mean, honestly, because there are a lot of brilliant people in this in this field, but they're very it's very fragmented and they don't have a big picture. They usually know their topic, you know, whether it's cellular stress or stress with trauma or workplace stress or, you know, you know, stress associated with inequality. But nobody's put this together. And I just I want a people to have a vocabulary so they can protect their families um, and they can protect their communities because this really is this is gonna this is gonna do a lot of communities in. Just stress, preventable. That's it. Could do a lot of communities in. We're we're looking at a big decline in our society unless we can get a hold of stress.
0: Well, we're so glad that you have created this book that you're putting it out there to the world. Um, would you like to let our audience know where they can get a copy
1: of this? Yes, absolutely. You can, of course, uh, pick up a paperback or ebook on Amazon. You can get a copy also off my website. You can also get um, free excerpts that that um, you can download. Free excerpts along with a training video that I made on a mountaintop here in Ecuador at eleven thousand five hundred feet, just for <laughs> entertainment. Um, uh, to, to establish this framework, because basically what you need to do is make a list of everything. And so I've got that framework. You can download that for free. I can also provide personal coaching. It's very limited. My spots are very limited, um, and various, um, you know, I'm available for classes, uh, you know, various other educational projects. Just drop me a line. Let me know. Let me see what I can do to help you.
0: Great. And her website is marywingo.com. That's spelled M-A-R-Y-W-I-N-G-O.com. Well, this is great, Mary. And I'm sure that there's probably a lot of businesses that would probably like to get their hands on you to figure out how maybe they could even create a, you know, less stressful environment for their employees so the productivity is a lot better and that they have healthier workers as well. So it's great to hear that you're doing individual coaching and, you know, teaching as well with this book.
1: Well, thank you. Well, um, and again, this is, um, you know, as scientists, we need to become more useful to the public. We're stuck usually in our own world. And I really, really want to be user friendly, um, for this to be user friendly for the community in general.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. And I think that, you know, answering some of the questions that I had really made it user-friendly to me. You know, you put it in a context to really be able to understand pretty easily. So um, so we wanted to thank you so much for being a part of the Path Love podcast and coming on and sharing your great knowledge. And we're hoping to spread the word more about your book and, and help others as well.
1: Well, thank you. And if there's uh, some other aspect, because there's many, many different angles that we can look at this. If you, uh, if you have uh, something else your, um, your listeners uh, might uh, want to know more about, just have me on again. We can discuss some other uh, aspect of stress.
0: Yes, absolutely. And for those of you who are listening, if anybody has any direct questions or questions about this show, please feel free to email me at april at com, and we can go ahead and get a collection of those and have Mary back on, or even, um, you know, I could also send them off to you, and you can give me some answers directly, and, um, you know, we could do it that way, too, maybe a Q&A podcast that we could have with you.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: Great. All right, Mary. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on our show
1: today. Thank you. Uh, thank you and uh, have a really great day today. If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our
0: DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepassseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com.
1: Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes.
0: If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at infothepastseries.com at or send us a tweet at the past Series. Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe. We hope you enjoyed the show.